simplify the website. Which uh, website? Which website? <laughs> I'm about to simplify the School of Design website. Okay. Um, so at the moment, hang on, hang on. So at the moment, it's still the Notion thing, yeah? There's nothing there, yeah. I'm about to simplify the School of Design site. And then I'm going to start writing there. And I'm working like crazyville on the UI course. So I have to put an announcement into the... I'm going to stop memberships for the School of Design. What? Um, we just Just for the foreseeable future. There's about like 30 or 40 people in that community. And I don't want anyone else joining it until I know what the hell I'm doing. Oh, okay, okay. I've kind so of got a bit. Okay. Yeah. And so people are like expecting me to do a session tomorrow night and I'm not doing a session tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I had a really, really helpful session with, well, anyway, before we start into this, welcome to Uneducators episode. I've done uh, version three, episode Three, it's 3.6 or 3.7 now. Yeah, we're like caning it. It's some kind of crazy scheme. It's um, sort of semantic, it's semantic versioning of podcasts. Yeah. We, we're um, piloting yeah, I mean, the we're, we're cutting edge. Cutting yeah, exactly. edge you know, we're like ahead of the curve. Um, so what, I'm do- what I was talking about was the School of Design. Um, I've been going to the car park and working on the user interface course. <laughs> really enjoying it. You know, lots of good stuff. Started to build it all out. I've probably got about eight slide decks totally finished. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's good. So, what, so um, hang on, what course is this? This is the user interface course, building beautiful building user Building beautiful user interface, yeah. BBUIs for short. Um, and that's going to be a cohort-based course, 24 students in a class. Uh, yeah. So a heavy emphasis on peer learning. Yeah. The emphasis on cohort-based. Oh, here's a, here's a controversial one for you, though. Yep. Could you not just call it building beautiful interfaces and take the word user out of it? You could, but I mean, the thing is, UI is pretty kind of oh, commonly understood. And no. also one of the questions I got from Jenny today was like, you know, what's the difference between UI and UX? And I have to teach that for um, her students if I'm going to do some teaching for her. Um, so BBUI. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's just, oh, yeah, that's my, I mean, I just don't like the word user, but it's, the difference is I mean, in, neither do interface I. And, and experience. And, yeah, and, and neither do I. And the, the very first chapter, I talk about human computer interaction yeah, and cool. that kind of stuff. And I also oh, talk I about it. humans too, but I mean, you know. You're I, not going to go off on a limb with that, you know. I think I did <laughs> actually say at the start of the book, I said, you know, I could have called this book uh, BBHIs, you know, building oh, did you? human okay. I, I wrote this, yeah. Because um, I know that because at the beginning of my HR. PhD, I, I, I make it really clear that I'm not going to use the word user and it will be replaced by human or player. And yeah, it, and yeah. it may come across as clunky, but I don't, I don't want to use the term user. Yeah, I mean, I talk about in chapter one, uh, this intense period in computing history uh, saw the emergence of the field of human-computer interaction, focused on the relationship between the design of computer technology and the interaction between humans, brackets, users, yeah. and computers. It's interesting that HCI sort of didn't carry through into when they started to talk about user interfaces. Okay, I did user... say this. Oh, In boy. chapter one, I wrote, the trouble with the term user interface is that it abstracts humans who are messy, unpredictable, and human into anonymous categories of users. Yeah. In fact, users are all different, and they're all humans. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel and call this book Building Beautiful HIs, <laughs> Building Beautiful Human Interfaces. But as you read it and as you design, put some thought into the different humans that will use the designs you create. And then I wrote, consider young and old, uh, age, uh, gender, male and female, 
and everything in between or outside these terms. Geographical context, where in the world these users, users are. So I have definitely sort of pushed the human message. Yeah. Um, but I, I, driven by you and, and Al, I really have been working incredibly right. hard on this. Um, and I've structured out the course and I've got lots of work done. And I, I don't know if I told you that I'd now sort of built it into, this will be the point at which I say, can you let me share my screen? I've already oh, checked that. You've already preempt that bit. I'm, I'm just going to look for something as well where you're talking about that. With so to... apologies for my mouse moving around the, the screen because you can hear it on my table. Um, so the we have a sprint based approach so sprint number one is the fundamentals of interface design oh hang on chris and let me sorry before you go into yeah, that you detail because i want to i think so we were talking about um just because because it connects to the, the idea of the thinking about the people and the humans in it we, we mm -hmm. were talking with our students obviously about um player experience yeah and obviously again you know we had a good conversation about not going down the demographic route so much in terms of, but thinking maybe more about the broader things. So instead of thinking about age, you okay. think you think about like the ludic literacy of that person because they could be. Well, what, what's ludic literacy? What does so that their mean? Ability, so their ability to their experience of playing games, their ability to you know to manipulate controllers, all that kind of stuff. So rather than it, rather than worrying about whether they're eighty or an, you know or sixteen. Can... What's the word ludic? Um, so, is that a word in English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it means, let me just give you the definition because I don't want to get it. I sound like I don't want to talk about it. I've never it. heard of this before. So, so it's you would uh, use... related to play or playfulness. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so this would really sort of relate to games, though, as opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. user interfaces. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. Oh, is but that it... why Ludo is called Ludo? Yeah. Because it's ludic. Holy There's loads moly, of terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. never heard of that before ever, yeah. Ludo. And it was um, just trying to get away from this idea of like splitting binary things. So instead of, you know, so you kind of think extrovert seeking exp social experience, introvert wanting to retreat, you know, time okay. poor, time rich, understimulated, overstimulated, you know, achieve, oh, you know, there's all this. To... Go on. I'd love to hear more about that. I'm just looking at the Apple Dictionary. It says late 19th century from the Latin I play, Ludo. There you go um so there you go uh, yeah, that's really this, interesting i mean but this wasn't my slide deck this emma gave this slide deck and it was really good and i thought it taught, taught on a lot who's of emma one of your emma team? ray is one of our tutors yeah she's um sort of got a background in literature and stuff and games okay. and she's really good really good and um it, again it was just this idea of like you know like personas can feel a bit dry and they feel a yeah, bit, yeah, they yeah. feel a bit narrow, and you mm -hmm. try and then say, okay, well, it's not really one person, but it's good to personify things. But you, it's more like a broader demographic. But then it was kind of expanding out and saying, actually, sometimes demographics are really problematic. Yeah, because there's other and things that you, might play a better role. You know, do you know jobs to be done? Uh, don't think so. Don't know. So jobs to be done is an alternative to. Uh, well, it's not an alternative. I, I think of these things are all tools, really. Yeah, you know, exactly. You could have a persona from a marketing perspective, for example, that enables yeah. you to look at the person and think that you know that's Adam. That's one of our you know yeah. categories of users, for example, or customers. Um, jobs to be done is um, something that Clayton Christensen, you know, from oh, yeah. Clayton Christensen. Yeah, so he, he talks about in a video on YouTube. So if you Google Clayton Christensen jobs what, to YouTube, be done. There's a video on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. Um, and I should, probably should have just said on YouTube. Anyway, he talks about there 
I don't know if this work was commissioned by McDonald's. Anyway, the, the long and the short of it is people are arriving at McDonald's uh, in the morning and they are buying a massive milkshake, right? Yeah. And then they're setting off on their drive into work. And the demographic there is not really that important because there's a vast array of yeah. different uh, demographics who are doing this. And um, when they find out by talking to these people, like, you know, it's seven in the morning, you're rocking up at McDonald's drive-through, you're buying yourself like a, you can imagine an American one yeah. would be huge, right? You're buying yourself a giant, um, you know, milkshake. You know, what is the job to be done? What is the job that this drink is performing? And what it is doing is it's a, it's a drink that will last you for the entirety of your commute. So ah. your commute might be one and a half hours, um, yeah. And you want a drink that will last that length of time. Now, you could get a coffee, for example, and I've nearly finished my coffee. So, you know, this cup of coffee is not really doing the job to be done of provide me with beverage while doing podcasts because, yes. you know, and because of the viscosity of the milkshake and it's thick and it's hard to, to suck up through the straw, that yeah. lasts for longer. And so once you understand that job to be done is is X, right? It maybe it gives you an insight into maybe ways in which you might change that. Yeah, and we talked about product. the idea of like where where you know if, if it's a mobile game, where are the players? You know, so if and we've talked about it before in other things, you know, if they're waiting in a queue in the post office, what you know, what's that time? And you can work around those kind of things. The other interesting, yeah, what do you call that time? Oh well, it'd be t- it's just about amount of time, isn't it? So it's time mm. poor, time rich, really, in that sense. Okay. And and the type of gameplay that you can have when you're using a small screen and in a standing, you know. So there's definitely yeah. there's all this embodiment. I mean, we're going to be doing a whole thing. The next big project where we're bringing like augmented reality stuff is about embodiment, the player's embodiment in the game space. Really like, like this stuff, so idea, because then what you're saying is that in certain contexts, you're time poor and you only have your mobile. Yeah. You know, you're standing in a queue in Sainsbury's, you don't have your PS4 or PS5 or whatever those things are called yeah. now. Um, and you've just got your mobile and you only have four minutes yeah. um, versus you're sitting in front of the TV. You've got five hours and you've got your switch. Um, so, you know, yeah, you yeah. can so you design change those around parameters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's and really one interesting. Of, the interesting thing I was reading as well, and I'll, and I'll come back to McDonald's in a second because this is really mm. funny. Um, but um I was reading this new book called Games User Research, which we might have mentioned before, I can't remember. But um, there was such an interesting thing about that because when you look at user research in terms of like, you know, um, watching what people players do and all that kind of stuff, particularly if you look in the app space where most of that research has been done, it's all about efficiency. So a lot okay. of that, a lot of the, what you're watching players, what you're, when you're watching someone use an app or whatever, there is a thing, a drive towards, okay, we want them to get through to this thing to buy something or whatever. So it's an efficiency drive. And that's really problematic for games because games aren't supposed to be efficient in that yeah. way. So, they, yeah, so no. there was a great example was one of them was like, if games are efficient, like in, in Mario, you know, Mario, it would literally be big button that says save princess and you whack, you hit it and that's game over. Like it's just like no point. Anyway, oh, it's just wow. so, but there's so many interesting things. These are really interesting artistic projects. You definitely could, like, that's so good. Reimagining games like that. You know? And then to think, talking about McDonald's and, and that, that jobs to be done thing. You can I, see on the screen there, it's uh, Clayton Christensen's 
jobs to be done theory. It's a HubSpot video and it's Clayton Christensen on the job of a McDonald's milkshake. And I think maybe if you click hello more, what is the job of a McDonald's milkshake? That's what Harvard Business School professor and disruptive innovation expert Clayton Christensen asked when McDonald's approached him looking to innovate on their milkshake product line. By uncovering the job to be done by a McDonald's milkshake, they realized that the market for milkshakes was actually seven times larger than they had thought. Wow. So this is, I just found it really interesting. That is, totally. Because um, Atto Partners, who I taught many years ago and who helped me with the school, um, they came and did a session on Propel in which they talked about jobs to be done as opposed to using uh, personas. Um, And it was great. Interesting. And they they also, they offered anyone who was on Propel um, a half, like a one-hour consulting session for free all you had to do was email them and I was literally sitting there emailing them as soon (laughs) as they finished hello I'm coming and then I went down for my hour and then they are great I mean I think they appreciated my teaching of them and they said you know come back for a half a day I think I said this before and I bought them toilet rolls because it was just at the start of the pandemic oh yeah you did say to me your toilet rolls I don't know if that was Um, on the podcast but yes I remember yeah so I paid them with toilet rolls I went into I must have looked like one of those knob ends who was buying all the toilet rolls I went into two two no Tesco's and bought three big nine packs of toilet rolls and I said to the lady in the supermarket checkout these are actually payment for two people who are helping me uh, I'm not stocking up on toilet roll because uh, I felt kind of bad about it yeah, yeah. but they talked about this jobs to be done okay. and I'd all, already heard about it via intercom you know the um, the software company based in Dublin and San Francisco they have a book called intercom on jobs to be done Oh, cool. Okay. So, so hang on. Before, so before we go back to your building beautiful UI's course and where you're at, because just this fun... You're doing wrap- a great job of keeping the threads here. The fun wrap-up, though. So you know we talked about the KFC uh, chicken warming console. And... Oh, what was that? Yeah, we did. We talked about the con- We talked about the console that has a chicken warming... Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. The KFC chicken warming console. Anyway, I mentioned that to the students to see if they knew about it, and some of them did know about it, some didn't, and we were cracking up about this ridiculous <laughs> thing, right? Um, and <laughs> what, I found, what I did find out that I didn't know that the students told me was that um, in Japan, McDonald's secretly made a Nintendo DS game to train the burger-flipping people, like... <laughs> what the hell someone no found way. someone managed to reverse engineer it off one of the cartridges that was found and it was a special ds that was branded mcdonald's branded everything it was to train you on how to be a mcdonald's person in japan amazing using like, games yeah, oh, yeah. So google cool. it up google it up oh it's so cool oh my word it's so cool uh mcdonald's i'm gonna google Your it right secret now. mcdonald's secret nintendo ds game or something secret nintendo game cooking the 10-year hunt for the lost mcdonald's ds game yeah yeah that's it 49 minutes yeah that's like a documentary and a half video yeah (laughs) um 10-year hunt i want to help with the subtitles okay this is so good um okay i'm gonna watch this later Um, it's so funny honestly i haven't watched i haven't watched that documentary but i read some of the things about it it was just so cool so anyway building beautiful uis You've been in okay, the car, so the, sitting in the car park, freezing, or yeah, hoping so the, the sun's going to come is, out. Uh, is is like the history of HCI and that kind of stuff. Talk about desktops and metaphors, mental models. That's oh, mostly nice. reading focused. I'm really starting to look at the blend of what's taught, what's videos, what's reading, what's exercises. Yeah. So designing interfaces is mostly reading, although I've expanded it quite a lot. 
Um, and also in here, if I just quickly open this, I'll show you. I mean, a lot of this I got from you. It's really interesting. Gosh, um, okay. So I had not heard of Doug Engel, Engelbart's uh, NLS uh, thing until, well, I think I had heard of it in yeah. the context of Memex and things like that, but I hadn't really gone into too much depth on it. Um, and so I've added that in. Great. Um, and there it is there. There's Actually, that. I need to send yeah. you, yeah, great. So you've got a bit of the clip of the Motherall demos. I need, to send, yeah. I need to send you the latest link to some of my writing which i think you might have looked at yeah but i but i I need to no it's cool it's just i directly connect the memex nos sketchpad and a couple of other things in a in a linear sort of fashion which you might might be useful oh to 100 percent. so i start with sketchpad then nls then alto then lisa then macintosh uh talk a little bit about the alto a little bit about the lisa and then i sort of zoom in on this very it's not really true it's more apocryphal this yeah, yeah. Jobs went and stole everything. It was yeah. all in the ether, really. Um, but I sort of focus in on that, and then yeah, I yeah, sure. look at some of the visuals. Oh, I like those, and these are amazing. So this is the evolution of the document shape icon from <laughs> the, from the Alto. Oh, I quite like. And I'm going to redraw these yeah. uh, because they're a little bit scrappy looking. But I quite like no, a floating one, though. Actually, number one is like a bot, a rectangle, a tall rectangle. Number two is a rectangle with ones and zeros. Uh, number three is a really kind of like um, I quite like that sort of trendy for dribble. It's an isometric floating sp- yeah. piece of paper, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. then number uh, four is um, two bits of paper on top of each other, but still rectangles. Number um, five and six are kinds of variations on a bending page. Yeah, the curling. The first one is page. curling, and the second one is folded, yeah. and. Final one, number seven, is the what we now understand to be a document icon with the little fold. Which is folded the top right, yeah. And then if you keep digging, you find things like this, where they talk about, like, you know, aligning to the pixel layers. So, you know, if you take the document icon and you you misalign it, it fuzzes up the edge. So I'm going yeah. to redraw that and I'm going to scale it down so you can see it. Nice. Um, because these principles are still the same. I mean, they're yeah. becoming less relevant as we move into ubiquitous um super sharp screens yeah. uh you know yeah. in the, in the 80s and the 90s those pixels and even even in the 2000s and the 2010s those pixels aligning things properly is really important and, um, and so, i mean did i send you the facebook um ar research lab stuff that they're doing oh yeah it's or i sent you mad. some stuff actually i yeah. sent you something maybe we, uh, maybe i don't know which way round it was but i mean it looks I mean, f- typical Facebook, but that, they're obviously trying to imagine interfaces that are much more haptic, are in the are in the in the space in in front of you and stuff, which is quite interesting. I mean, I'm obviously concerned that Facebook feel they can lead the way in this, and I hope that someone is high, someone is, who hasn't told us anything is already miles ahead of them. But have you have you seen the rumors about the new? I love your um, cup. Uh, so for listeners, it is a Game Boy cup with a four, what do you call that? X icon up, down, D pad, D pad. Um, and then it's got the AB buttons and all the other cool thing is when it has hot water, when it has a hot drink in it, the the game screen changes. (laughs) That is so cool. Um, have you not heard about the lightweight Apple, um, thing that they're making? Well, there's always been rumours about it for ages, haven't there? So I think if I go into my history and open my history and go show all history and look for Mac rumours. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, cool. The Man. funny thing is, the people I there's people Man, I know at moving is. brands who are always working on AR stuff, and I keep trying to hint that they might be working on the on the on the Apple one, and they they just won't tell me what they're working on. I'm like, is it like an Apple? What about this thing? And nothing. It's like, poof. so I, I have no idea what product they're here working is on. Here it was this oh, kind of thing. March here. the 31st. What's that then? It's new. Um, this was this mixed, oh, it's a mixed reality a, headset, it's like a mixed reality headset. So it's a see through device, then, yeah, yeah. They actually had more on it. I'm trying to find it. Um, so the Snapchat one, they, they had more on it. Um, because one of the things that they were saying was that this thing is going to be, uh, let's see if we can Apple glasses. Uh, they had a picture, I mean, this picture is allegedly a sketch of what has been seen and for anyone who's looking at it like a kind of mask thing on your front and then it's like a ski mask and thing is a little bit like uh ski mask yeah but it's a Uh, ski uh, mask this is what people have been making based upon sketch is it see is it a part is it a pass-through device or is it none of this is is real this is all just uh no i know i know but is that what they're saying is it it's an ar it's like a pass-through so it's AR. they're saying it's mixed reality ar and vr and the other thing is you're putting it over your face and you know anything you're seeing in the world is coming via cameras yeah 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 yeah, it's mixed reality ar in the sense that it's not overlaying on the world that you're seeing with your own eyes you're seeing everything through uh through um through some kind of yeah yeah well eventually these will be contact lenses uh, did you not see that the, there was a timeline out about the contact lenses no it was about two weeks ago oh, i haven't been not like Herman and ming chi kuo who are you know ming chi kuo has a fairly good track record um you know they were like this thing here is probably in the next year or two uh so, and they're expecting this to be announced this summer so this thing is the next year or two and it's like immersive etc and then the ar glasses are within the next kind of five years or something and okay. then contact lenses are coming in the next 20 years i mean as john gruber said on the talk show you know it's so far away that it's you know there's no point in even mentioning it I mean, that's true yeah you know we might as well be able to say yeah and the next thing they'll be doing is like hover shoes yeah. which are coming in the year 2090. I mean, you could make anything up and say on that kind of timeline, That's right? That's true, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I next thing I'm doing is, once we've done the history, is I'm doing a building a vocabulary thing for the course, which I've really been enjoying building. Um, that starts with the Bauhaus. Uh, I believe that Oh, yeah. Start. Go back, go back. Why have you colored? a nice diagram. Yeah, yeah, I know. But why, have you, why is it colored? I've never seen one colored. Um, it's colored based upon, um, if, if I take you here. Oh, okay. I might need to get an update because the one I've got is black and white. Why is it colored? This is colored because there is a website here. Um, I have seen this website, which is a Getty Images website about the Bauhaus, uh, which I've referenced quite a lot. Uh, but if I just quickly show you, uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the Bauhaus. Yeah, I'm just going to go full screen. First thing I talk about is the Bauhaus and returning to Bauhaus principles and, you know, form and color. And then I look at that diagram, which they have obviously redrawn, but I'm going to redraw it as well because my type's looking a bit fuzzy. Um, and one of the things I want to stress yeah. is that at the Bauhaus, they would have spent half a year working on this fundamental stuff you know, point, line, plane, color, type, texture, you know, six months just on that before you do any, quote, design. Um, and then I've 
found some examples of, uh, this is particularly interesting. The image on the right is from the Bauhaus from the 1920s, 1930s. And then the next image is from 2005, I believe, or 2011. Um, and it's by Moving Brands. So oh. on the right from the 20s and over here, Moving Brands. Oh, nice. I mean, it's almost the same, right? And then yeah, it's like cool. a, it's an idea of a interface that Moving Brands were doing for Wikipedia. Not an interface, more of a branding oh, Yeah, thing. branding thing. Yeah, cool. And then I'm looking at the idea of the object up. So we're going to talk about like point, line, plane. And these are the building blocks that everything is made of. And then there's a really nice app called Bus O'Clock. Uh, oh yes, which is all c- circles, and yeah, you know right. it's. Then there's this thing here, which is the uh, line, and then there's these prints by Blanca, which are like plain. I've redrawn all of these in black and white. So when you see this in black and white, this particular thing, and the brown is gray, it doesn't look like running. It just looks like lines on a gray background. But these are sports. Um, yes. You know, oh, so it's, it's lovely. That's running badminton. What's the next one? Is it netball um, or badminton? Next one is basketball. Basketball, is it? Oh, okay. It looks too... Honestly, and the yeah. third, okay. third one, one is... Weightlifting. Is weightlifting, yeah. yeah. It's a series of prints that Blanca has done, for anyone who's not looking at the screen. Uh, Blanca is <laughs> <Like everyone>. Mark... <laughs> everyone. Blanca is Mark Blamar, um, and he's done a series of prints probably maybe 10 years ago, possibly longer than that, on sport, where he tries to communicate sports with a minimum amount of information. And so the very first image is like a brown, like, what do you call it? it Cinder track or something? It's, it's like, like where, the sandy color of the yeah, track. Yeah, it's like that it? sandy yeah, color. Athletic track. Um, and it's got white lines and it's the 100 meters. Yeah, um, nice. Anyway, that's about um, the form, the point line plane. And then the second thing I'm going to be focusing on is the content, because a lot of a lot of courses in user interface design don't teach content yeah. um i'm thinking i need to change this because this is actually a redesigned uh image um it's it's a redesigned error message where the first error message said error one two four six three Oh I'm yeah. Like, well, that doesn't mean anything to anyone. Whereas I rewrote that to mean something went sorry wrong. Sorry, uh, you know. And then you know, this I is thought, what I, I honestly thought like an Aaron Fox had come up on the screen. <laughs> I was like, what? And then the <laughs> other part of the content oh, that I'm gosh. introducing as well is like illustration, photography, data, that kind of stuff. Then yeah, we're going to yeah, do some yeah. typography, and then we're going to do some color. Um, and I was going to go and do really hardcore point line playing. And I had built slides on that, um, you know, so I've got a whole deck on point line of plane, but I think I probably will let people look through those in their own time, because actually, to be honest with you, people want to get stuck into the work. So I think we'll go from that vocabulary to uh, content and typography. Um, and then once we've done that, we'll do color. And then those are your sort of building principles of communication design. And then the next uh, chunk, of course, is interfaces are like Lego. Um, and that's like oh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, Adams, oh, you, Brad Frost, Adam Adams thing with the molecules and stuff, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, which I instead call objects, components, patterns, pages. Yes, and we flows. talked about this last time, didn't we? About yeah. Different- and then the other thing I'm doing as well is like, excuse me, introduced a new deck which is called Anatomy of a Button, which I'm in the process of redrawing at the minute. But it's like you know, a button is actually quite complicated. Yeah. 
you know, you've got the, you know, what color is the button? Does it have a line around it? Does it have an image? Is it just a word? Um, if it is a word, what's the word? If it's a sentence, what's the sentence? You know, does it have a shadow? Does it have a border radius? Uh, is What's the padding? You know, once you start to break that apart, it starts to become quite uh, complicated. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that the first sprint is everything you need to build a design system, really. Yeah, yeah. And then the second sprint is where we start to link things together. So, yeah, making good progress. Okay, sorry. I was just looking. I don't know why my battery's so low. It must be because I've got... That your M1... Did you get a dodgy M1 chip? No, no. This is all plugged into my old MacBook Pro. Uh, It must be because I'm doing... Oh, it doesn't matter. I know why it is. It's because my monitor is trying to charge it, and it's not got enough charge, but enough to kind of keep it alive. But of course, anyway, the um, the upshot of where we started the conversation was I'm going to close memberships to the School of Design for the foreseeable future. I'm going to make an announcement probably tomorrow at the rate things are going to say, folks, I I need to kind of regroup a bit here. And, you know, you have a choice of either just staying in the community, which obviously I would hope that people would stay in the community. Um, uh, Or if you feel like you want to get your money back, I'll give you your money back. but what I'm going to be focusing on is building that Idea Factories course, which is taking way longer than I'd anticipated. So what's, um, what one's going to launch first, though, of these two courses? Idea Factories. Okay. The other one. And when, because when, when I spoke to... of launching it? Well, I was thinking of launching it in April. I'd said I was going to launch it in April. But when I actually showed it to Christian yesterday from Pathright, I just was like, yeah, no, I'm still learning how to use Pathright. So, you know, it'd be like if I was learning Blackboard and trying to do the course at the same time. Um, so that this will go live, I would say within the next few weeks, it's taking longer than I anticipated. It was really interesting conversation I had with Christian from Pathright. It was like, do you think I should do the UI course, which has probably got about 50 slide decks or should I do like a five week course or three week course, you know, first. And he, he was the same as me. He was like, you know, do the short one. Yeah. Then you'll get the experience of, you know, how long should it be? You know, what kinds of content do people enjoy that, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's not going to be ready for tomorrow. No, okay. I'm just quitting those about that, Chris. Sorry, just to make sure that I've put my back. No, it's okay. I can fill the time. That, that was my concern. Um, and the other thing I would say is I've just found, you know, given the choice between sitting down and building structured learning materials or jumping onto Slack and just chatting to people, I'd far rather sit down and build structured learning materials. I don't really see much value in just, you know, chatting in Slack. Um, And so I'm questioning the community aspect of it. Um, And and I'm also wondering how do I reach critical mass um, you know, how do I reach enough of a critical mass that there's enough people in the community that maintains itself? Yeah, and that, it's that's tricky. been a challenge. That's been a challenge, I think. You know, because yeah, if I you look at hard. your um, games Slack, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very active learning community because you've a lot of students who are, you know, every week stuff's happening, yeah, every yeah. day stuff's happening. But if you're building like just a community, it's 40 odd people, which is where we are at the minute in the School of Design. It's just not enough. Yeah, um, I mean, and also, I, you know, that to, to be, you know, that start, I mean, I've said this before and we talked about it because we've had the same thing with Teams, with lots of the universities using Teams and they just don't see the same community thing going on. They're just using it for the video aspect, which is fine. Yeah. But again, I've said like, well, 
but I, the Slack games community started in 2014 on day one of the course and all the staff, including myself, were made sure we were super active on it all the time and encouraged, yeah, and, so- and encouraged students all the time to go on there to say stuff, you know, the ephemeral material, stuff that's coming out now, news, mm-hmm. interesting things, we're going to put them there. And so... Yeah. It's kind of it makes people check it, you know, and do it, and it builds. Yeah, and, but yeah. it took ages to build. It wasn't. I can it, wasn't it wasn't that active, and the only reason it's active now is because of that building, and also all the al- alumni, although they're quieter, all the alumni are still technically connected because they mm-hmm. sort of just tweak their emails when they finish, and they get a special channel. And yeah. I say, oh, stay in the thing because you can tell us about your jobs and whatever, and yeah. also get other students' jobs. So. But I still find that I, you know, I still have to seed a lot of stuff in there to keep the community going. Yeah, and my my problem at the minute is that I, I'm, you know, I am trying to build like a really high quality UI course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I am also trying to build a really high quality Idea Factories course as well about thinking and writing and all of that kind of stuff. And the problem that I have at the minute is that I just don't really have an awful lot of time to sit and just chat no. in. But that's the thing is when I, you know, I and the other the other thing that you touched on there that's really yeah. interesting because I came home the other night and I I said this to Kara um, is that um, Kara I came into the kitchen from the car park and Kara was in full flow of a conversation with her friend Rowney who's from Wales um, and who's part of contemporary British silversmiths mm-hmm. and they were talking about education and different learning platforms and all that kind of stuff and they were I could hear them talking about Playdate and I was going like don't use Playdate I think it's kind of maybe closing down and you know anyway I, I said to them afterwards said to Kara afterwards the thing is she's got you know there's there's a com- committee of them all talking and so they have you know there's more than one person. Yep. And I'm almost wondering if the School of Design needs that. It needs other people to be, you know, moderators or... Yeah, 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 mentors or something. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Bill, I mean, to be honest, there is, like, in games, you know... Um, I mean, the other thing I was going to say is, like, you know, before starting the games course, I spent must have been two plus years designing the curriculum so i wasn't yeah. doing i wasn't designing the things at the same time as seeding the community which yeah, you're obviously yeah, trying yeah, to do yeah, so that's yeah, that yeah. It's um crazy. yeah but i you know i wonder whether um oh what was i going to say uh, uh what was the last bit you said well i think one of the points that you just made there is probably worth just teasing out a little bit more you know you were designing your course and you were getting it validated and then when the first students arrived you were you know you'd done most of that stuff and now you were focused on delivery and so maintaining the slack is a part of the delivery and my problem at the minute is that i'm still building a course or at least two two or three courses and so i either have to choose do i want to make content for a really good course or do i want to chit chat to people in the slack um my choice will always be make the content for the really good course i think the other thing i've learned as well excuse me which i think is really interesting is yeah the value that i see in the library i i just am not really sure that other people see the value there you know people go oh my word that's amazing there's this big library of content but it requires quite a lot of effort to go and explore it and read it and look at it and i'm actually thinking there is far more value in me organizing it into courses 
Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, okay, three weeks or four. I'm not sure if Idea Factories is three weeks or five weeks because more I spoke to Pathrights Christian yesterday. I thought, well, if I really want to do a short course, maybe three weeks is better. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, first week is reading, second week is input, third week is output. It's quite That's fast. essentially. It's, yeah, it's quite fast paced, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could start with an intro and then do three weeks and then have an outro. I mean, you know, it's either three or five. Um, but the thing is, as I start to look at that content, um, I don't know if I've got my notion open, but if I look at the content in the Idea Factories thing, um, I'll show you one thing and I can try and describe it while we're talking. Yeah, yeah the other thing I was going to say that I just remember was that the in games i mean community manager that is a role that is some yeah. that is someone's yeah. position and they use that to manage the community and it's just they have i mean yeah. when you look at the discords i don't understand half of them but they have like channels for moderators they have rules channels it's all really really curated and i know this from being in thing, isn't it you know yeah i know this from being in our stop drinking which is a is an alcoholic not alcoholic sorry it's a group for people who don't want to drink um on reddit um and they invited me to be a moderator maybe a year ago and i wish i'd said no because i'm still a moderator even though i'm not really actually on reddit very much um but you know they they, i had to go through training to be a moderator and all this kind of stuff it was interesting anyhow if i look at this module two of the the um this the idea factories course which is priming the brain uh which is great quote by charlie munger um who is warren buffett's partner in business in my whole life i have known no wise people over a broad subject matter area who didn't read all the time none zero charlie munger so in module two i kind of look at priming the brain um and this is the first part of input synthesis output and the first thing we look at is the eminent dead um and did i tell you about the eminent dead uh, Munger has this idea that you become friends with people who've died. Uh, yeah, really interesting. So, you know, he says, I think yeah, we talked, didn't we talk about, using, we talked about using the AI thing to like, yeah, yeah. And designers, I talk to too. designers. You so, know. <laughs> you know, here's a section on the eminent dead. I haven't finished. It. I'm going to write it up a little bit more, but there's exercise number one, which is an eminent friend. This is very different to the content that's in the library because it's much more exercise driven. Yeah. You know? It's like you have to read about the eminent dead, then you have to go and think of an eminent friend and you have to start to think about what the questions that you've asked them and have you you become friends with them? What have you learned from them? And then once you've done that, then you come back and you do the next bit, which is how to read a book. Uh, And that's like, you know, elementary reading, inspectional reading, some topical reading, analytical. So it's like, you know, it's a framework for reading books properly. Yeah. Um, And I can't remember, I was thinking about this last night when I was lying in bed, I was thinking, you know, with this framework now, there's probably books I've read 12 times now, um, but I've not necessarily read them cover to cover 12 times, Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and then how to talk about books you haven't read yet, uh, which unfortunately for me is in Donegal. Um, but yeah, this, this, I'm starting to see that there's more value in the courses than there is in the library material. Yeah, yeah sure. Because the library material is basically just like blog posts. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that sounds good. So, I mean, how long do you think it's got? So, the web, hang on. So, the website, what, the school of design website, when's that going to come out? I said to Al two weeks ago, we were trying to get it done that weekend, and it didn't really happen because I got sidetracked on the UI course. Okay. 
Um, I realistically, I'm not making any promises anymore. I mean, realistically, I just want to strip it back a wee bit. We've already stripped it back, but I want to strip it back even more. Um, so how are you going to advertise the, uh, what, which course is coming first again? The frame? Idea factories. How are you going to, how are you going to like get that out to people? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get, start writing on my blog, um, and you know, sharing that on Twitter and then start sending my newsletter, my email newsletter, maybe yeah. once a fortnight or something. And I think the first thing I'm going to do with the email newsletter is send an email to everybody and say, right, here's where we are. The school of design is about teaching design. It, it's, you know, it's a broad array of stuff. Right. Yeah. And at one end of the spectrum is user interface design, which is quite low on the, you know, intellectual side of things. Sure. And at the other end of the spectrum are things like idea factories, which are quite intellectual, sure. um, you know, and the school of design teaches everything in between, you know, that, that, and everything else. Yeah, yeah. And it's everything I used to teach in an art school, but you know, just available via the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I would like would be if anyone had any spare time to go and fill in a very short survey. I think that's probably should have been my first step about a year ago. Um, and now I'm very lately getting around to it. I think things I need to know the answer to, like if you were going to come on a course, do you, would you like to do it at the weekend or would you like to do it in the evenings yeah. or, you know, could you take a, like a day, half a day a week off to work on a course? You know, would your employer say, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, also, yeah. what would you like to learn? What are you weak at? What do you need help on? You know, all of that, that's kind of important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that if I could send that out to the thousand odd people I've got on the mailing list and get even 10% to fill it in, that would give me some really useful information. Yeah, no, totally. And then we just build it up step by step, you know? Yeah, yeah, cool. I think the thing is, I feel like for most of the last year, I've been throwing spaghetti at the wall in a, in a fairly yeah, yeah, intentional sure. way. I've been chucking spaghetti at the wall and seeing kind of what sticks. But I'm now starting to think, okay, look, I, I need to, I really need to put the, the same level of work I would into a module. Yeah, yeah yeah this is really well taught you know it's really it's got lots and lots of good content in it um and i think the problem is with the library has just been that I've, it's kind of like vomiting stuff into a it's good for you library it's, it's good, good it's you. great for me to have stuff you can you I can, can i think you can cherry pick out of it and that's what you're doing now is then converting it into materials yeah, yeah i think that's 100%. cool i still think which is why i think it's really yeah i think it's useful it's almost like it doesn't it's it's, well, it's what Notion's designed for to some yeah. degree, isn't it? To keep all those thoughts and things together and then you can start to build that. So I think that sounds good, you know. I think what's interesting to me, thinking about education at the minute, which is what, you know, an educator is, is partly about, I'm really interested to see what happens next year. Yeah. You know, because I don't know if you read in The Guardian last week, there was a thing about um, the range of promises that universities were making. And oh, I have, no, was, I I'll send you, I'll try and find it and I'll send you the link. And it was at one end of the spectrum, universities who were saying like, you know, get, it's going to be back to normal. You're going to be back in. Everything is like the way it was before, et cetera. And then at the other end of the spectrum, and one of them was U Ulster University, which is where I used to work, uh, that was saying, it's not going to be back to normal. It's going to be blended learning. It's still going to be Zoom, you know, and, you know, it's not certainly not going to be back to normal for a considerable amount of time yet. Sure. And it was an article in The Guardian that almost was kind of reading between the lines, quite critical of some universities for over-promising. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm I'll be interested to read that. I know that I know that we've got like, I think we've got like four plans, for, you know, for, right, for next yeah, year of different. Like, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to, just to to so that we can enact the right one. But it's, yeah. the tricky thing is like, when do you know which one to go with? You know. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> going to be like hard, you know. I, you know, I was talking to Cara about this in relation to Caitlin because Caitlin's about to go into final year. And I was saying, you know, Caitlin had said to me a few months ago that if it was going to be like this just now, yeah, in yeah, final yeah. Year, she was going to take a year out. Yeah. Um, and Cara said to me the other day, I was yesterday or two days ago, she said, no, 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 she's going to keep going. And I'm thinking, okay. You know, we just have to see how it pans out. I this think it could be a difficult uh, choice for students. I mean, the thing is, like, to be fair, if although it's been stressful, it wasn't. It hasn't been as stressful as lockdown number one. And I yeah, think uh, that yeah. I would, if I was, if I was faced with the reality that it was very unblended, like like it was at the beginning of this year, I would, I would be spending this summer redesigning. Well, loads when you of, mean unblended, do you mean? digital only yeah like more like very few like m- very few times in the studio that kind of stuff i would yeah. be redesigning loads of the delivery of the stuff over this over the summer of this year mm-hmm. and i would be do- last year i was burnt we were burnt out and it's yeah. just like you know but i think if i felt that was the way it was going to go that's where i'd be at i mean we are having other kinds of conversations about what we might do uh and again i'm not i'm, well, I'm not going to promise anything on a podcast no because um, i don't know you know i'm i've got ideas but they yeah. do rely on lots of prep and planning and whatever um, but i think if if it was clear which it isn't but if it was clear we we're going to go to this very like light blended approach again then i would be redesigning loads of the delivery of the stuff and making it much when you more... say light blended do you mean the majority I mean, like, they might online. come yeah the majority's online you know those okay. they come in very you know very rarely i'd be redesigning like all, loads of stuff all the sessions would be more breakup rooms much more interactive so i don't think and I would hope that other universities, you know, other art schools, et cetera, yeah. would, would also be thinking that way. So that if, if it was carrying on, it would be a different experience. And I would also expect students to think that it would be a better experience. I don't think students would put up with some of the experience they've had over the last year because we have literally been just trying to manage things and figure stuff out. But here, I'll give you this really cool quote that I like. And I wanna, I can... I'm, I'm going to find this Guardian education piece yeah, and I'm going to send it to you because... It, it was, I thought, was really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you this and, quote as well that I've been touting around for the last week or so, and then I'm going to have to go soon because I've yeah, yeah, you do. I've got fun. people brand you. UK University signed pledge to fight hate against gypsies, travellers, and Roma. Wow. Yeah, check this out while you're finding the Guardian thing. I thought this is great. So there's a thing called the Digitally Engaged Learning Conference, which I've been to on a few times. It's run by UAL and other institutes. This year, it's going to be online from Hong Kong on the 21st, oh, wow. 25th of September. I'm, I don't think I'm attending, and I'm, obviously I'm not presenting in any way and have no affiliation to it. But anyway, it's been pretty good in the past. The people there have been really cool. But their theme is called um, Embracing Uncertainty. What I okay. thought was really interesting about this, and I think that we felt a bit of this, particularly where most of the disciplines within our university are science-orientated, or, is I love this quote in the middle. I've been touting it around. It says, and I think you'll like it as well, creative disciplines often celebrate not knowing as a distinctive characteristic of creative practice and an integral and valuable element of its process of inquiry. Practitioners in arts and design are therefore experts at embracing 
rather than mitigating uncertainty. So I actually mm-hmm. think that art schools and whatever in universities have probably done really well over the last year because they that's part of what we yeah. do. You know, we embrace yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, I had a conversation with Lisa de Betancourt around exactly that topic where she was talking about the people that she works with who are blue, who are white collar management, etc. They do not like the unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like things to be defined. They like to know what's happening when, etc. And the reason that they hire designers is that they can't, they cannot live like that. And so they need someone else to vicariously <laughs> live that for them, nice. you know. Yeah, and yeah. so we are able to say, you know, that stuff you hate over there. So it's cool, but I'll do it, you know, uh, just bring it on, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to find this link for you because yeah, there's been a over. ton of stuff in the papers as well about um, sexual allegations at school and stuff as well. I, I did see a thing on that, but I, again, I haven't read it. I, yeah, it's one, again, I'm sometimes I'm, you're, I'm so embedded in all this news and sometimes I'm not and I don't, don't know what's been happening in the last week. Yeah, but a lot of the of the news for the last week is about consent. Um, yeah, here we go. It's UK universities wooing new students with upbeat promises of a quote totally open campus. Oh, and okay. I read that and thought, what? Um, so it says, with the season of university offers well underway, some institutions are wooing school leavers with promises of a totally open campus, or at least that student life will be, and this is another quote, much more like usual. Yeah. But academics and students are calling for frankness about the likelihood that disruption to classes and social lives will continue. University are braced for a fierce competition to attract new students. Um, and they're going to expect another chaotic year because of the A-levels, et cetera. Mm. And one of these things that they talk about is many fear that elite institutions will take advantage to expand for the second year in a row. I didn't realize this had happened last year, um, which could leave others struggling to recruit enough students when they desperately need the revenue. Mm. And so if we imagine those bigger universities that already hoovered up a lot of students last year, they continue to hoover up students this year and keep growing then we are definitely going to be left with some universities with no chair to sit down on yeah interesting i think yeah i think we should do a maybe we should come back to this because that's a big topic i'd be interested to i think we should you know it says here some universities including ucl uh sheffield hallam uh, Ulster University and Edinburgh University are clear on their websites that new students should expect the quote blended learning that has become standard practice uh, you know with lectures online and as many smaller seminars or workshops as given as possible given in person hmm, interesting. Um, so it feels to me like there's a continuum of truth yeah um, yeah that's a nice title for a blog post isn't it a continuum of truth um, at one end of the spectrum uh, you know it's all back to normal. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, the truth, because it's not going to be back to normal in September. No, no. I mean, do you think like this time next year, do you, could you see a situation in which I could come over and teach the business of games for, for two or three days and just run some workshops for the students? I don't know. I don't know, but I think it could happen. But again, we. But again, in my mind, would be like, what? Am, what do I exactly get for having you fly over? Or do I say, actually, I'm going to give you some funds 
to create something that is totally remote but works really really well you know so that, i think that's... I, I do think this is definitely another podcast yeah, conversation yeah. but i do think there is a benefit because i think one of the things i was talking to somebody about this yesterday actually on the left terrace's education design education podcast i notice a difference between my students who i've just worked with in ixd and your students when you've met the students and you've been in the same room and you've all had a bit of a laugh and you've gone for a coffee and you know there's just been that informal meeting yeah once you then move into an online environment it just really works um and i've also heard this from the propel cohort um the our cohort last year because we were all in the room together and then we all just moved on to zoom it just worked really well whereas this year those people have never met each other and so after a lecture or a fireside or a talk, instead of them hanging around and chatting, they all just disappear. Mm, interesting. Yeah, no, I totally, I think I agree with that. Right, let's stop. Let's let's stop. That, was, that was good. Yeah. Uh, maybe next, next episode we could talk about a continuum of truth. That could be the title. Yeah, sure. The podcast. Excellent. All right. right. I'm going to press stop.